Guys, it's been a rough year. It's going to get rougher, and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet. You could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender, do your worst. But we have a better idea for you, which is pick out something from the Crooked store. The store is stocked with tons of new merch. It's perfect for the spring. And classics like the Friend of the Pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship, depending on how things go. Pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead, a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year, or a hat celebrating your favorite pod. Go to crooked.com slash store to shop. We're back with an all-new episode of Keep It. I'm Ira Madison III. I'm Louis Fertel. I'm the Delta variant. Oh. Miss Delta variant. And I'm coming for you girls. I'm coming. Ms. Delta <laughs> with an M-Z. Yeah, I like people mix. who spell their names like that. Ms. <laughs> She's genderqueer. She's MX. Um, I like the Delta variant approaching in a genteel kind way before she yes. ravages us. <laughs> Aida, I'm here to torment you again. What do you have now? You know what time it is. No. Oh my God, here you go. <laughs> I want to be happy for you and celebrate you, but I, I'm, I've grown tired of doing it. So It's my actual birthday. Today. As, as today. the Keep It recording drops. Or today, today yes. is your birthday. As the Keep It recording drops. Yeah, I was going to say, so we're giving 28th. Yeah, Ugh. it's giving, giving 28th. It's giving... Number two, it's giving number eight. It's giving three days before the end of July. I don't know. I'm trying to. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Sesame Street character. <laughs> don't know what you're doing for us. Well, happy birthday. But also, I would just want to say that I am absolutely sickened to learn that both Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez are Leos. That oh, no. Well, this dovetails <laughs> right with what Ira wants. A-Rod was a Leo, too, by the way. Oh, well. I'm throwing so, my dossiers all over the place. Everything's crazy. <laughs> when they got together, I want to point out that a friend of mine, uh, Melanie, was like, I don't know how I feel about this. And I was like, baby, Ben is an August Leo, and this is an iconic coupling. Yeah. But also, oh, so we're talking about Ben and J-Lo seemingly staging every kind of Jenny from the Block reboot exactly. on the planet. Do we think it's part of some grand stunt? Is this going to be some like... I think it's a stunt, but I think that they're also back together. They're okay, stunt yeah. queens. They're Leos. Mm-hmm. Sure. And we know them. This is the man who was staging Dunkin' Donuts photos uh, throughout the quarantine, walking through the park with Miss... Um, Ana de Armas yes, on his you know, Armas. Um, they truly actually said, you know what? We're going to give you the um, Sean and Camila Cabello that you really want. Mm-hmm, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We did, we've been waiting for this. You know, I am worried about yeah. Ben and maybe and Jennifer as well recessing into bad old romantic habits. I just don't like mm-hmm. the idea of this many years later you returning to a past lover. Doesn't seem healthy. Doesn't seem healthy at all. <sighs> well, you know, um, recently Sammy has been sleeping with Lucas again on Days of Our Lives. And although uh, she's oh, being mailed by Kristen Demera and also mm-hmm. Nicole Black, uh, who, uh, well, Nicole Walker, who is married yeah. to her brother, um, it seems right, you know? Yeah. And soaps are like a great metric for how life should go, right. I would say. Yeah, you know. Absolutely. The amount of relatability in there really threw me. <laughs> um, no, I just want to say... <laughs> 
I'm fine with it all being a stunt if it is a stunt. It's clear they're together in some way. But like, if this all turns out to be promo for like some Geely two, I'd see it for like some Billboard number one hundred seventy eight hit for J Lo featuring Iggy Azalea. When's she gonna reunite with the charts? You know what I'm saying? I don't. I think there's something exciting about our obsession with nostalgia and the fact that one of the major couples from that era is like back Mm -hmm. and it feels human in a sense that they were, you know, caught up in this whirlwind of like celebrity and um, like the media and everything. And they're older now. So they've had time to, you know, um, assess what that meant to them Mm. and like how to deal with it since then, you know? Mm -hmm. I think also we just miss, a couple that seems powerful. Like you just brought up Sean Mendes and Camila Cabello, to which I say, who cur? I mean, like, I, I, don't, <laughs> I, I don't want to see more. You know what I mean? Like, it, it was a fine picture one time, but Ben and JLo, there's something dark and um, percolating about mm. them always. Yeah, they have the energy of a um, too much sugar diet. <laughs> <laughs> they looked lethargic walking around in the streets being snapped by paparazzi with their empty coffee cups. That's why they were lethargic. They weren't even drinking any damn coffee. There's nothing in them. Meanwhile, Ben was running on Duncan. See? Mm. <laughs> and mm. like soft little J-Lo ass grabs that keep getting photographed and throwback Thursdays yes. are being made. I like it. I like it. You know, I am fully in support. I do want to use this to launch a preemptive keep it though um, to the social media furor that has happened from um, our good sis Issa Rae's wedding mm. uh, because I am so happy for her. Uh, and, you know, we listen, we love Capricorn behavior. That's the kind <laughs> that will drop a whole husband without you knowing about it. Aida over there in Miami about to shoot um, rap shit. I bet you ain't know nothing. A whole show. You know what's great? It's actually I'll, I will divulge what I can, what I actually knew. It's not like I knew anything. It was. I was in the writers' room for rap shit, and every person, every third person who had like written for Insecure or was related to Issa was like, "Yeah, I'm going to France right after we wrap the room. I'm going overseas." I'm like, "Bitch, where are y'all all going?" And I had to just slowly put it together that somebody was probably getting married. And who mm. was the who was the link? Issa Rae. So she, there was never an announcement, you know. And I know I just met her, but I am sad I wasn't invited. <laughs> but. <laughs> But all that being said, yeah, I think I, I'd piece it together. You know, I used to work for her on an old website. I interviewed her for Cosmo. You know, I could have gotten the press invite, but uh, okay. Is, she was no, here I'm last very year. Happy. We interviewed her yes. last year. Where was that? Yes, Where interviewed her last year. By the way, over Zoom with no camera on, so you know she was probably wedding planning <laughs> at the time. Probably wedding planning. A, probably had. I'm trying like, on dress dresses in the background. <laughs> I love that you're sitting there piecing it all together like Shelby Wu in the writer's room, though. I, you know, that's fun. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> but the preemptive keep it goes to people who just can't enjoy this goddamn wedding. Why does this have to become a what discourse about how um, y'all share too much on social media? You need to be more like Issa. I'm like, wh- wh- there is always some extrapolation from people online being like, Y'all share too much. You know, you need to be doing this. And it's like, nobody cares if you drop your secret husband on the internet, baby. 
<laughs> like this is Issa Rae, okay? He work at he work at Menards, right? That's all he do. We don't care what he do. How would people define themselves if they weren't critiquing other people, Ira? If they weren't, how are they going to have an identity? They have to say these things. I just find the hilarity in everyone enjoying Issa's privacy while also saying that um, nobody's doing it like J Lo. Mm. Like, wh- like mm-hmm. which is it, baby? Yeah, what do y'all want? It's just a Le- it's Leo and Capricorn behavior, okay? Yeah. Let them live. Yeah, JLo's grid on Insta is stocked right now. So, um, yeah. <laughs> if that's doing it right, okay, but let's be consistent. But also, how much do we know about that bitch either? No, again, it's a stunt. It's like Evil Knievel. She does the trick and we don't know what went into it. Is there steroids? We have no idea. Mm-hmm. Also, you know what I fully don't understand? Why are people shocked when celebrities pop up married? That's the only way to do so. I'm not going to announce to the world, save the date. Like, Issa had her little ring on. She was not hiding it. Mm. I just don't think that people really clocked that it was going to happen this weekend. Beyond that, remember when Niecy Nash popped up? Married and gay? Nobody was yelling this much. Shut up. Right? Niecy Nash (laughs) gave us a whole wife. A whole sexuality change. She gave us a whole new leaf. Yeah. (laughs) Niecy is a Pisces. Okay. She's a Reese's Pieces. Aww. (laughs) Love that for her. Anyway. That's gay. Let people do what the fuck they want on social media. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, now is the point where we're upset with oversharing. I just, again, I'm in Fire Island vacationing, and um, mm. people are, There's something we say, wrong with that beach. Thanks for, jo- <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Louis. I, people are unhinged here, and I sometimes am one people of People are having sex behind Louis right now, probably. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm surprised uh, you're not somewhere in a parking lot sucking dick, Louis. What's no, going I'm, on? <laughs> right, right behind me on this Zoom, you should be able to pantomime out like sex images behind me. Shadows yeah. just all over the island. <laughs> the spirits, the residues. My entire idea of oversharing is completely changed now that I've been here and know anatomically everything about the gay community. <laughs> mm. Mm. You and Joel Schumacher. <laughs> That's right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We have a exciting episode today. We're going to talk about gay shit. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not just Fire Island, but we're talking about Lil Nas X. His new video, Industry Baby. Mm-hmm. We're talking about famous homophobe, the baby. <laughs> Jonathan. <laughs> Is that his real name? Yeah, that's his real name, and that's the only way I'm going to refer to him. That's how I want to refer to him now. I hate saying the baby. Or he gay, so mm. he gives me the maybe. <laughs> well, listen, we'll get into that. Uh, and also, we'll be joined by Sanaa Lathan. Ooh. The luck, the fortune of that. Yale's own, Sanaa Lathan. Yes, yes. Listen, if you can't go to Tish, go to Yale. That's what I always say. Oh, yeah. Good backup school. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Ma- it was my backup. M- Meryl couldn't get into Tish. You know it. Yeah. <laughs> you know she couldn't. Sigourney, she's like, it's a no for me. I'll try Yale and stuff. Uh, the French lieutenant's rejection. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. And there'll be plenty more for us to talk about. Uh, So we'll be right back. If you haven't heard yet somehow, we at Keep It want your opinions. Well, sort of. We want to know more about you, what you think of our show, and what we can do to make it better for you. So, if you love it, tell us. And if you hate it, still tell us, but not to me, Aida, or Lewis directly. <laughs> Find the survey at crooked.com slash survey. <laughs> 
And as a thank you, we're offering a 20% discount on any order from the Crooked store for everyone who fills out the survey. So. Included with a, a photo of John Levin and his dogs. <laughs> Free. Free. Uh, find the survey at crooked.com slash survey. Do we think that Lil Nas X is trying to restart the village people himself? He's been a cowboy. <laughs> wow. Santa Claus. Yes. He's played the devil. He's been up in space. Come on now. Mm-hmm. Now prisoner. If this is how we got a remake of the movie Can't Stop the Music, which if you haven't seen it, you haven't been properly traumatized, and I invite you to learn for yourself. Directed by Rhoda's own Nancy Walker. Do you think Caitlyn Jenner will be in it again? Yes. Uh, Caitlyn yes. Jenner in her acting debut and finale. Uh, <laughs> mercifully. Um, I'm sure she's still in SAG because of Keeping Up with the Kardashians and the um, governor race. Right. As you know, she's very pro-union. I'm pretty sure the governor's race is um, <laughs> yeah. pr- probably just a, um, a jackass sequel. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. But Lil Nas X continues to check all the boxes next to each of your sexual fantasies. In his new music video for Industry Baby, he took us all to Montero State Prison to redeem our Shawshanks. Now, what Now what Shawshank Redemption got to do with this gay little video? That movie huh? That movie was full faggotry. It, it was a lot going on. What okay. Do okay. Tim was robbing on the dick. What do you mean just get to live okay. it? Just get to... <laughs> Can I tell you something crazy? Uh, now a part of this show is we announce our blind spots. I have never seen Shawshank Redemption. Wow. And I just want to say this while it's on my mind. Lewis, we are the same age, and there was at least a 10-year period where the Shawshank Redemption was always on television. No, I, and by the way, I've seen all the other movies that have been on TV. I've never seen it all the way through. Mm. I've seen different segments of it. Okay. No, but like I've seen all the other movies we have like that, I've seen a million times. Like, Why have I seen the movie Mo Money 75 times? I have no idea. <laughs> but... You chose up. Yeah, you right. Chose up. Um, you did. It's much better. Space for only one prison film. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to say also before we move on, I have not seen The Little Mermaid. That is what I will do next for this. Anyway. Nigga. Wasn't that crazy? <laughs> <laughs> that's, I can't believe it either. That's the first movie I ever saw in theaters. That makes sense. That'd be interesting. Lewis, what, what was the first movie you ever saw in theaters? Do you know? Ooh, do you remember? Gosh, gosh. I remember seeing they re-released Pinocchio, I believe. So I okay. think I was a really little mm. kid for that, yeah. Jiminy Cricket. That's the one. Do you guys remember Chicken Run? Of yes. course. Yeah. Yes, that was Come the first on. film I saw. I remember being, you know, those uh, traumatic in the way that it's just a happy experience, so you remember every detail of it. Could tell you, could tell you everything about my surroundings as a two-year-old <laughs> at Chicken Run. Yeah, Chicken Run was a cute movie. It was a really cute movie. I actually do like that film. We need more Look claymation. At you with some I don't taste. care. I don't care how long it takes, y'all. I don't care how long your little stop-motion movies take. Figure it out. I want more. <laughs> I feel like they had a new Wallace and Gromit every other day back when we were kids. So it must be kind of easy. It has to be. Every once in a while, you meet somebody who looks exactly like Wallace from Wallace and Gromit. There's just something about eye shape that happens, and I can't get it off my mind when that happens. If I'm talking to one of you, just let you know I'm thinking about your stop motion face. I'm sorry. Are they all on Fire Island? Yeah, I was going to say, what do you mean you meet people? I've never experienced that. Okay, I don't go around looking for Caliban's. Well, let me just say, if, if your pupils are expanded to a certain size, if you know what I mean, you might be a Balsagrama character, you know? Okay, anyway, Lil Nas X, I'm so sorry. Yes. Oh, yes. Lil Nas X's video, you know, has a fictitious court trial um, where, you know, he's sent to jail for his Satan shoes, you know, after being sued by Nike. And then he goes to prison and he is 
dancing with a with a lot of, lot of naked men, and then also Jack Harlow shows up. So what is all this narrative? Like this was written by Charlie Kaufman. There's so much going on. This is there's a lot giving going adaptation. On the video, actually, <laughs> I didn't even know that it was because of his shoes that he was getting like a copyright suit. I thought he was just popping up in jail. Mm. It's a lot. Mm. It's a lot. But I love this video. It's his telephone. To be honest, it's very telephone. I, I, very telephone. Yeah. I love mm-hmm. this video. It's actually my favorite of his. Uh, it may be my favorite song of his too. Actually, it just has like. The swagger you'd expect from a young pop slash hip hop star, yes. you know, feels very much like of the moment. It's fun. Jack Harlow also matches his energy on the song too. Like I like yes. his verse too. So refreshing. And that white man is fine. Also, just to be clear, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a, it's a particular type of fine, but we'll get into that. Yeah. Go ahead, Lewis. <laughs> if there's any furor or busy discussion about this video, it's really about the naked scene with like everybody dancing naked, and I think that really is the raddest, most like not subversive, but coolest part of the video because who would expect that like in a way like a prison set video almost just makes sense like there's a bunch of people you know like we have like viral videos of people dancing in prison and stuff like you could you could think of that as a music video but dancing naked Mm -hmm. in prison that's like the extra step that makes Lil Nas X like a little cleverer and a little um more more just um surprising and exciting than other pop stars Mm -hmm. and I want to get into some of the asinine criticisms of <laughs> one of them oh, sorry i sound like people magazine um calling them criticisms <laughs> instead of homophobia uh Nas called out people's headline where they said that Lil Nas x responds to criticism of his industry baby video like no bitch he was responding to homophobia the <laughs> part that is is like that catch-22 of homophobia um from Ashley Blackman is the fact that they are mad that it's um, all black men in this prison dancing with him. It's like the feminization of black men, et cetera, this and that. But it's also, they would be completely upset if he was dancing with white men. Oh, 100%. 100%. Right. And he knows that. He's, uh, that's what I love about his age group and where he's at is he 100% understands that he needs to have only black dancers. And also, at a certain point, this is the community that he's in. Like, he's going to have gay men dancing with him. Uh-huh. What else is he going to have with him? Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's also not like you can't throw an Adidas shoe and catch a straight man in a video <laughs> surrounded by women. Right. In fact, I expect that in any music video I ever see. My entire idea of a music video is exactly that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was quick to point out, too, that people are very silent when they have an entire catalog about like rapping, uh, about sleeping with multiple women, but all of a sudden he's doing it with men uh, is a problem, and it's really just homophobia there. But this is also... The same critiques that female rappers get. Mm-hmm. You know? It's like, um, don't y'all have anything to rap about except your pussy? Yeah. And it's like, all right, but what do y'all rap about? It's just this whole conundrum and sort of just like, you're damned if you do thing, if you're not. It reminds me of when people talk about female stand-ups or like classically what they've done. Exactly. When like, all you can do is talk about your period or whatever. It's like the only reason this is even registering to you is, is because it's not what a man talks about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they talk about their dick all the time. Yeah, right. Exactly. And women who won't date them. Have I already talked about my new um, nuisance when it comes to people talking about stand-up comedy? Here it is. Pardon me if I've already gone into this. And I know I bring up the name Paula Poundstone all the time, but it's coming up again. Again, you're, somebody has to. More than <laughs> so. I bring up Tish, to be honest. I know, I know. <laughs> People bring up Paula Poundstone as some novelty comic who talked about Pop-Tarts and like minor, unimportant nuisance-like things mm-hmm. and pretend that's like an 80s, 90s 
fad. Meanwhile, they still lionized Jerry Seinfeld, who did the same thing. Jerry Seinfeld is not funnier than Paula Poundstone, and Paula Poundstone is still hilarious on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, and unproblematically so. All I'm saying is she should mm. be kind of at the same mantle as him, and one is treated as a demigod, and one is treated as a novelty item. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I mean, what do y'all think about the video in general? I guess controversy aside. Yeah, that all aside, I watched the video smiling the entire time. Little Nas X has finally found his groove. I know that when Old Town Road came out, I'm sure he didn't expect that just two, three years later, he would be doing this these large productions with all this choreography. He's hitting his marks. Mm-hmm. He's just getting more comfortable in his body and in his stardom every single time we get art from him. Yeah. And I love it. The choreography is much more fluid here. Definitely. I yes. still say his live performances aren't as fluid, but mm-hmm. this was fun. I love this choreography. Sean Bankhead. Yeah, boom, cack. <laughs> Lil Nas is here to stay, and I, I'm fortunate that we get to watch his evolution. My favorite part of the video, though, is this hammering us with gay shit, and then when, when it's Jack's time, he's in the cell with a whole woman just all over him. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do your little gay right. video, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's how the phone call went. I'll do your little gay video. <laughs> However... I found that so funny, but also appropriate because that's exactly what you need to see, right? Like, the mm-hmm. video has the gay shit in it because Lil Nas X is gay. And then Jack Harlow is not, so he's with a woman, you know? And you and it's no, there's no queer baiting thing here. There's no yes. uh, having to get, there's, there's it's a cosign from a straight man who is a star in the rap community at the moment. Oh, uh, yeah. It's a shame that it couldn't be from, you know, someone black. But yeah, and ultimately we'll get into this, I'm sure, when we talk about homophobia and the and the Jonathan the baby conversation. But it's very clear to me that it, this is still a white rapper that had to do this. Like we didn't mm-hmm. get a Jid, we didn't get a Guap Dad Four Thousand, we didn't get any of these like Atlanta boys who represent masculinity in a certain mm-hmm. way. Like we didn't get any of that. We got Jack Harlow, who is a goofy rapper as well. Like it, it wouldn't affect his brand. It would only help him, you know. So there is yeah. that aspect to it as well. And also, Jack Harlow said that Nas wrote the whole treatment for the video. I followed his lead every step of the way. If he had asked me to be in that shower scene, I would have been in that shower scene. I just let the mastermind cook. Honored to be a part of it. And that is just what's so beautiful about the video. You know, like he's been so supportive of um, Nas throughout this entire thing. Uh, he looks hot in the video. Mm. Uh, he's like, he's like, at no point in the video are you like, imagine Jack Harlow is about to be like sucking dick in the corner, you know? <laughs> so like, he's like completely fine being in this video. And it's, I guess we can get into this like goddamn to baby shit now, but it's just, it's so irritating that it had to be a white rapper because I think yeah. that we know that historically in media and representations of queerness, um, there's a lack of non-white representation, right? Mm-hmm. And because of that, uh, it allows um, homophobes to sort of imply that, you know, like queerness is like only sort of this white thing. And um, it still feels almost, you know, like you just have the white person co-signing it, right? You know, mm-hmm. and it just reminds you of the fact that, like, you know, you end up with, um, in the media, seeing, you know, like, more gay men having best friends who are, like, straight white men in media than you see, like, straight black men represented um, as, like, having a gay best friend, you know? And I think that's why I always think about how Terrell Alvin McCraney's play Choir Boy like had me sobbing at the end because it was about a gay student at this, um, you know, like prep school and his best friend in it, the person who comforts him at the end is this very um, masculine straight guy who's at the school, you know, and it was like an image Mm -hmm. you never see 
represented mm -hmm. before. And I think lastly with the Jack Harlow conversation is that we talk a lot about whether white people should be in predominantly black genres like rap. If we were going to pick someone who exemplifies it, what I would say perfectly, I think it just has to be Jack Harlow. Like he's someone mm -hmm. who goes out of his way, who of course is from Louisville, Kentucky and led marches for Breonna Taylor, allows the people that he collaborates with, black people to take the lead and guide him. Like he understands, mm -hmm. he, he's just a lot more aware than I think we've, than like an Eminem or other white rappers who are trying to posture in a certain way. It's refreshing. Right. It's nice to have him in this video as opposed to when I was younger in high school and Lewis and I were younger in high school, you know, like seeing like, like enjoying Eminem because like I still, Eminem's albums are so great, mm -hmm. but you know, Jack Harlow's not, you know, calling me a faggot every other minute, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, or starring in films where he's like, I'm going to be better than all these other black rappers, you know? Mm, and I right. also, Jack Harlow gives me like he was nerdy and goofy and he reminds us in every single song that he's getting cuter. So he's yeah. goofy in high school and now he's coming you know, stepping into his own. Those lips. That slightly <sighs> greasy hair. Mm. Mm. You know he looks just like Paul McCallion. Who? Oh yes, the from from Twitter's own. I just want to say it's gotta be hard for uh Lil Nas X because I feel like the, okay, the nature of this video is so like dirty and scandalous or whatever but for like the people it's intended for the reaction is basically like lulls like we enjoy it yeah. like you know whatever and then there's only this other side of the chasm which is extreme outrage and i almost wish he could find some a happy medium of uh, listeners who are like properly excited and i mean not, not that he doesn't have that but i'm saying it's it's meant to titillate and for the people it's meant to titillate we're like ah ha, ha lol good job i will say that it reminds me of when madonna did her um Poor Instagram where she said, you know, like, did it first about the kissing Britney and Christina. Oh, and right. He yeah. kissed two black men on the BET Awards stage. And this video reminds me of that, too. It is not to say that Madonna wasn't pushing an envelope, you know, in the 90s, you know, mm -hmm. especially with, you know, her her videos. Um, but there's something about this just just feels more dangerous yeah uh -huh. and less less complete it's completely for shock value too but it's shock value um where it feels like it's helping change a conversation and i feel like it's been a while since madonna has done something for shock value that was to change a conversation you know it's she's far past the sex era is what I was yeah. saying. Because the kiss with Britney and Christina was just titillation. It, w it wasn't right. the same thing as kissing two black men on the stage of the BET Awards. I remember just, watching yeah. that live and just being like, this feels like a shadow of a shadow of a shadow of the former Madonna. Of like, you're right. right. Of super pointed agitation. But yeah. And there's the whole point that that entire kiss was by MTV. Then it went to Justin Timberlake's reaction because the whole point of it was to see like what Britney's ex-boyfriend thought about it. Right, right. Yeah. We didn't even see the Christina kiss. And it's not like he gave them disdain. It was like shock and fetishization still that was occurring. Yeah. Like that's how you know that this is entirely different. But shout out, mm -hmm. shouts out Lil Nas X for knowing his positionality and continuing to push the envelope. Mm. Meanwhile, knowing that he has the opportunity to do so. No shout out to that nigga to baby. Um <laughs> who at Rolling Loud, you know, the music festival in Miami on Sunday, went on a very random yeah. rant <laughs> about, about gay people and AIDS, which makes no goddamn 
sets. He says, <laughs> if you didn't show up today with HIV, AIDS, or any of them deadly sexual transmitted diseases that'll make you die in two to three weeks, then put your cell phone lighter up. Let's start that. Can we, can we start there? Can we start <laughs> Raggedy there? Raggedy ass man. First of what? all- HIV AIDS killing you in two to three weeks. Like, are you Andrew Dice Clay? This is like the, the <laughs> oldest. Not even in the take. normal heart. Yes. Okay. Like, like, literally, not even in any terrifying like AIDS um, melodrama. Do you die in two to three weeks, bitch? Boo. And also, I hate shout out if you didn't show up with HIV. Like, you didn't show up. <laughs> like, you just gonna leave your shit at home, bring all your T cells. It makes no sense. I left my AIDS at no home. Sense. I eat a. <laughs> Good, uh, as you should. I left my age and my ID at home, so I can't <laughs> drink tonight. Sorry, girl. <laughs> also, first of all, you are at a festival with 100,000 people. Most of y'all are unvaccinated, hanging in a crowd. Uh, y'all are dying in two to three weeks, okay? All of y'all. <laughs> all of y'all. Ooh. Also, uh. not even the gay connotation. Like, It is incredibly dangerous for a black man to say that, given how hard the HIV and AIDS epidemic affected heterosexual black people as well and continues to it's ignorant it's incredibly i'm literally gratified in some way that these comments are as particularly super dated sounding as they are mm. you know once upon a time you'd hear like homophobic comments and just think um well they're homophobic now i mean it truly sounds like comments from 35 years ago i mean it's just mm -hmm. super weird that someone that young can sound so old and out of touch i would be honored if he had a fresh homophobic take i'm dying just get in a writer's right. room get all the toxic black let's men let's punch in a writer's this room. up let's, <laughs> let's go come on drawing board please i need something fresh i need something fresh uh yes he was called out of course by t.s madison uh, among others, uh, for the the ignorance and the fact that, yeah, in an era where we're worried about uh, people needing to get fucking vaccinated, yes, continuing to spread like misinformation about disease is really just stupid. It's even worse, maybe, than bringing Tory Lanez out on stage, which he also did. Which we Ugh. will get, ooh. You know what I think Ugh. is the worst part about this is, so he goes on to say, and shouts out to all of y'all who aren't sucking dick in the parking lot. Sir, that mm. sounds anecdotal. Yeah. What were right? you doing before you got <laughs> on stage? <laughs> Sir, what were you doing? Why was it on who, his mind? Why is it fresh at the forefront of your of your, the front lobe? Okay, what happened? What happened? I get so frustrated. But did he like pull into a CVS one time and see it? Like how did this <laughs> even come to front of mind. I love that this is also after he said, ladies, if your pussy smell like water, put your cell phone lighter up. What Boo. the fuck does water smell like? <laughs> <laughs> the smell of water. My favorite <laughs> Sally Hawkins film. Uh, uh, Donatella uh. Versace, what's your favorite movie? Uh, that would be The Smell uh, of Water. The Smell of Water. <laughs> you guys uh, got to yes, look up Donatella Versace. Versace's uh, 73 questions if, you, if you're not yeah. familiar with the reference. What? But also, you said it's after all this. How about this is after him killing it on that Dua Lipa song, which implies that you are an ally if you participate in a Dua Lipa song. And so this feels like double-crossing in a major way, particularly after taking Madonna's place on the original <laughs> remix. To be fair, you are either an ally or a dead person with no will to fight back because that is why Dua Lipa is on a pop smoke song. Mm. Currently. <laughs> Everything, that's why we, we need saturation point. The pop world is in shambles. We all just need to stop. <laughs> yeah, it is wild to go from being on the Levitating remix 
to to this, which, by the way, sucks. You, you don't <laughs> like the Dua Lipa remix? Okay. The, yeah, no, the Dua Lipa remix, the the levitating one. Like, the baby's verse is useless. I know, I don't know the lyrics to it. And mm, it's like, I think it's good. The, I think it's good. You do? Yeah. It's not giving me Snoop Dogg on buttons. Did I yeah. say, oh, no. Well, we're not talking about the Bible now. Ashley yeah. Nicole, Jessica, Kimberly, you're telling me? <laughs> Kimberly Melody, you're telling me. You forgot Sorry. Kermit. Yeah. <laughs> didn't need him on the didn't need him on the remix. Didn't need him on the Grammy stage with her. Don't ever need the baby anywhere at all. Yeah. And I will also say that um there is a fan edit of Megan Thee Stallion's verse from the song Fucking Around, which people have laced onto levitating, which sounds so much better. Yes. Okay. The babies. So Sorry, phony people. You know, snatching it. Speaking of our girl. <laughs> The fact that we, we've talked about this before, the fact that she has, you know, sort of like elevated him so much with cash shit and crybaby, and he continues to be a disrespectful piece of shit is so unfortunate. Bring Tory Lanez out on stage. He has to have the attention span of a gerbil, a young gerbil, because I don't understand how you could forget what's going on in moments in a matter of seconds i don't get it i i'm so frustrated with this man i hate even talking about him because i'm weary i uh, the music doesn't slap as much as it needs to i just like it's the gimmicks it's the gimmicks it's the dusty ass he's useless it's the gimmicks it's the it's the gimmicks for me i remember the time that i saw him at camp flognaw and they were just like two large babes like People dressed up as babies. What are you doing? Um, just bopping around on stage at uh, like uh, inflatable babies. What is this? What are you giving? You're giving nothing. Oh, we didn't address that at some point. Someone threw a shoe at him. Oh, yeah. You were like, God damn, Adidas shoe. <laughs> and me, me in the crowd, barefoot on one foot, just like, I don't know, looking around. You know what I love about the shoe, the, the shoe throwing as well is somebody had to do the calculation of, do I want to throw this shoe? Am I cool with roaming around this dirty ass rolling loud <laughs> arena with a with a, a bare soul exposed to the Miami ground? And they were. And they chose they chose throwing. They got that pitcher's arm out and threw that shit. I just want them to drop a Venmo. I want to send them something. Yeah, right. They gonna make a million dollars. Don't yes. do that. <laughs> and also, it's so delightfully old school. It reminds me of like you know when when Garfield performs on the fence and people throw tomatoes at him. It's like oh, that's so um, <laughs> classically vaudeville. You know. Do you think just people just go by buying up tickets to the baby shows to throw shoes at him from now on? I would <laughs> love it. We should all be embracing our inner Cardi <laughs> B and throwing some shoes. I, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. I'll throw a Louboutin. Oh, you're starting high. <laughs> I got a Bottega. <laughs> I'm ripping a, this Bottega off. It's going straight across the room. This is the new decathlon. Yeah, uh. The shot put is over. Adidas is in. Did you guys see his Instagram post where he fixed his goofy little face to be like, well, my gay fans know that they don't, they don't have AIDS, so what I have gay fuck? fans. And actually, what I said was a, simply a call to action. <laughs> I, <laughs> what was the action? Uh, hopefully to leave. Uh, keep your eyes on the prize hold on he, he was like i didn't see that many lights go up so that's how i know that none of my fans have aids <laughs> you are consistently the dumbest person i've ever listened to in my life oh my wow. god and fee fi fo fum here ti come we didn't see yo we didn't see your cell phone lighter go up either the baby <laughs> Where was your iPhone? That's all I have to say about that. So (laughs) I'll meet you in the parking lot. Your pussy don't smell like water. (laughs) 
I'll meet you in the parking lot. The best part about the baby is like he ain't even got to get on his knees in the parking lot. He's so short. Oh my god. He's already there. He's already there. He's already at dick level. This original queens of comedy content. <laughs> We're back. Sanaa Lathan joins us and will try to be slightly less ignorant. Keep It is brought to you by Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. If you're really good at it, that is. I've actually met several really good friends through Hinge. I've used it, I can't believe this, over a decade now. Woof, what a life I've had. Well, you know what they've added within a decade of us being on Hinge is their new LGBTQIA plus prompts, which are designed to help queer daters better connect based on similarities, interests, and compatibility. Hinge prompts helps you show off your full personality and connect with someone who appreciates you. Plus, these prompts were created in collaboration with Glad. So they are by the people, for the people. Some of the prompts are, the first time I knew I was gay was, mm, I was literally in the act of being gay, like hooking up with somebody when I admitted it. (laughs) Denial is strong and hard in the Catholic Midwest. Mine was Tom Cruise's Vanity Fair cover. The shirtless one. You just turned to an imaginary camera and said, I'm gay. Yeah, I broke the fourth wall. (laughs) You're like Fleabag. Other prompts include, I feel proudest of who I am when, It feels affirming when others, blank, I connect to my community by, I wish I could tell the younger version of myself. I'm going to say whenever I watch that in a drag race semifinal, when they're like, if I could talk to my younger self, I would say, I would be like, girl, get tighter clothes. I mean, what's going on with what you're wearing? You look like you're in the X Games. Other prompts include, my chosen family is the best at, and gender euphoria looks like. Download Hinge and show off your full self using their LGBTQIA plus prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. Our guest today has a packed trophy case. A Tony and Independent Spirit Award nominee, a BT Award winner with multiple NAACP Image Awards. She's a voiceover artist, a movie star, and a TV staple. You can catch her on Netflix's new series, Hit and Run, beginning August 6th. Please welcome Sanaa Lathan. Hi, I like that. Hello. That was a nice intro. <laughs> I was like, hello, you me? <laughs> You're like, that was pleasing. Yeah, very nice. You know, when I look through your filmography and like TV universe, it's a varied amount of roles. But honestly, when I see and, and reminded of how much you've done on Family Guy, I still wonder is that the most challenging role you've ever had to do? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's the opposite. It is so much fun and it's actually not challenging. I just, we just laugh. It doesn't feel like a job. Can't believe it's been going on for this long. Um, I can do it from anywhere in the world. And it's funny because you know, when the, those, those people come up with, I don't know what they're called, but they're the people who always have pictures of you if you do some kind of event and they'll have different characters and Donna Tubb has her headshot and she's always in the mix. 
<laughs> so Donna Tubbs is definitely beloved around the world. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, it's my favorite thing when I'm watching a Cleveland show or Family Guy and you pop up. It's just, it adds, adds to the episode for sure. Mm. Yeah, she's very sassy and she's got a high self-confidence, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I always just wonder if people who do voiceover like come home and they are utterly exhausted from probably having to do the same take what like 25 times or something Mm. you know what it's not that I mean I think after a certain amount of time you just she's just comes out when it's when it's time and you know those guys over there at Family Guy and Cleveland show they are some of the smartest and also just they're kind of like grown up like little boys, you know what I mean? They have, it's so much fun to go over there. You go and even in the waiting room, it's like there's bowls of like candy, chocolate, you know, everything Mm -hmm. that kind of reminds you of just having fun and being carefree. So I'm just so happy. I almost didn't go to that audition. Really? Mm. Yes, my whole career, every time I would go on a voiceover audition and I went to hundreds and hundreds, I never got it. I didn't even get close. And so when that came up, I remember it was a last minute thing. It may have been on a Saturday. It was last minute. And I, you know, I was like, no, I'm not going to get it. So I'm not going to go. And my agent was like, no, you should. This is one that maybe you should just shoot your shot. Mm -hmm. And I got it. So it's kind of (laughs) scary how you can just, you know, like talk yourself like that turned out to be so great. Almost talk yourself out of it. <laughs> I imagine a hard thing about being an actor, though, is like when you go on auditions like that all the time, like, and you get the same result all these amount of times, your brain makes this decision to internalize that or rationalize it as, oh, I'm not supposed to get roles like this or whatever. When in fact, it just happened those times, you know? Mm. It just happened those times. And yeah, it just wasn't the right one. I just talked, I had a, I have a good girlfriend who I went to drama school with and she's been really frustrated lately, just putting herself on tape for a lot of auditions, doing such a great job. She's knowing she's doing such a great job and then not hearing anything. And she called me the other day and it was a big show. And she's like, I'm not going to do it because I'm not right for it. And I was like, no. And I talked her into going for it and she got the job and she was, thank you so much because... (laughs) That was the one where she was finally like, I can't do it anymore, you know? Yeah. So what are we going to talk about your career as a motivational speaker? I know, right? Yeah. I'm like that for all my friends. I know, I have, I have to write some books. You know what? And the reason why I believe that that is definitely somewhere in my future, not only because I do it in my daily life with my friends and family, but because I needed that in order to survive, as a black woman in this world, as an actress, Mm -hmm. I needed all of this kind of support. I've had lots of therapy. I've had life coaches. I've read every book. I call myself like a spiritual seeker. That's just what I needed to be here still. Your career too is so interesting to me because I feel like, you know, where at least I first got to know you was as, you know, sort of this um, romantic comedy, romantic drama star, um, and it's so interesting even looking back on like Best Man, Best Man Holiday, Love and Basketball, Brown Sugar, Something New, and being like, this was really a space that was being carved out that didn't really sort of exist before, and you were the one doing it. And I really want to know like what it was like auditioning for those kinds of films before those came along because it was probably a lot of you know like mm-hmm. white rom-coms you're uh, auditioning for and then this comes along and it's just like oh no we're doing our own films and they're 
classics. People are still talking about them. Yeah, I mean, it was just, uh, I don't know. I don't know if there's destiny involved or I had gotten into the business. I came from the theater. I had done the best thing about the drama school education it's three years, but like by the end of those three years, you have done close to 30 plays mm -hmm. from small black box theaters to big regional stages with from Shakespeare to new playwrights. And so at Yale, too, at Yale School of Drama. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah so let's not talk that's about, right. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. about that. <laughs> by the time you leave that experience, I mean, it's so rigorous that you're almost more comfortable creating a character and being on stage than you are in your own skin. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I was like a newbie to Hollywood, but I was not necessarily, you know, a beginner actress. And so people always kind of see people's success, but they don't know all the rejection that went into to this day, you know, I don't envy anybody's success any at any level because we don't know what's on the other side and what it took to get there. Yeah. Yeah. So The Wood, um, Rick Famuyiwa wrote and directed The Wood. And that was another one because I was just starting to work a little bit and I had gotten a series that was like a one week part in this. And I felt like I was, you know, further than that. And that was another one where my agent was like, just go do it. And I met Tay there and I met Omar there. Mm -hmm. And obviously that turned out to be kind of a classic as well. I feel like knowing Tay, I had to read with Tay for the best man. They actually wanted me to come in for Candy, the role, the stripper mm. role that Regina Hall wound up doing. It was the first time that I said, you know what, I really want to go in for Robin. And I didn't know if that was going to be like, if they were going to say yes. And they were like, yeah. So I went in for Robin. I'm sure that knowing Tay and the chemistry that we had in my audition helped to get that. And then Love and Basketball, Gina wrote Love and Basketball with Omar in mind. Mm. We were dating and didn't say anything. <laughs> so I was auditioning while he had the role. And because people have different ideas of what chemistry is. People have, to mm -hmm. me, you know, coming from the theater, you can, you make your chemistry. I'm not a believer in, oh, if you're dating, you don't have chemistry. Or if you're not, you know, they, there was all these beliefs. And I knew that it could jeopardize me possibly getting the role if they knew we were dating. So we just kept it under wraps. She didn't find out until the middle of shooting. She was like, wait a second. <laughs> uh, Y'all close. <laughs> she wanted a basketball player who could act. Mm -hmm. The only reason why I got, and this is where I feel like there's some kind of destiny involved because the only reason why I even got a shot to audition for Love and Basketball is because one day, she years before she even had her deal, she had a... Um, a table read for the script to hear it out loud in front of an audience. And the actress got sick who was supposed to read Monica. Oh, wow. And she had heard about me and got my number and tracked me down and was like, can you, you know, take her place? And I was like, hmm, okay, fine. You know, somebody said the script was good. Mm -hmm. And we did it. Me coming from doing a lot of those kind of readings I, you know, gave my all and I really put, you know, I created the character and and then she went off, got her deal a couple of years later, weren't, wasn't really seeing a lot of actresses. She was seeing mainly basketball players. But because I had done the reading, she let me come in because she liked my reading. 
And so, you know, those are the kind of things where you're like, wait a second, that is crazy how there were so many near misses. Mm-hmm. It's so cool when actors like allow us to see behind the scenes and the process of how they got their role. So that's still, still interesting. And especially for that role, I think about you and Gabrielle Union and Regina mm-hmm. Hall and these people who I consider these black legacy actors that were working at what I think is the peak of our genre. Um, and how many black women you inspired to continue acting and start acting because they saw themselves in you, Aww. myself even, watching Love and Basketball and being like, oh my God. Oh, I love so it. So you, you can know what you want. <laughs> you can be aggressive and still be a feminine woman. Like all of that was, was moving for me. And I kind of wanted to ask you, do you feel that legacy still? Like, do you feel, do you feel the, the footprint that's left on black Hollywood and how the, the culture has changed because of it? When I was coming up, there were like five of us, you know? Yeah. And I'm friends with a lot of them, like real friends, like Regina and Gab and Nia. We're all, you know, we all get on the phone. And um, mm. so it's nice every now and then to kind of talk about like, wow, this was really cool that we were the ones that were able to do something different in the history of film, you know? And But you don't... You're just living your life like everybody else every day. It has, it brings its challenges. I'm not walking around thinking, you know, when people say what a movie means to them, that makes me feel good. And because of Twitter, I know when every one of my movies is, <laughs> is playing. So that <laughs> makes me feel good. And it just makes me want to keep moving forward. I really, truly believe in the power of representation, of being able to see yourself reflected I was around as a little kid. My mom was in the original Alvin Ailey Company and she was on Broadway with Eartha Kitt and um, mm. Stephanie Mills. Eartha Kitt, they, she did Timbuktu with Eartha Kitt. I was like a toddler behind the scenes and watching that show over and over. And then Stephanie Mills, she was my mother was in the chorus for The Wiz on Broadway. And so I got to see as a little toddler, black women reflected to me. And so I definitely know that that benefited me in terms of like a subconscious belief that it was possible. And so I'm really happy about this moment now after Black Lives Matter, you know, we are requiring now that we, you know, there, there's a minimum of representation because, you know, it's just, it's so important to self-worth and self-esteem to see yourself reflected. You've now brought up Stephanie Mills, so I must bring up the song Bit by Bit from the Fletch soundtrack. Oh, my God. Slay. Everybody, guys, guys, you have to download this. Um, Listen, she says, Stephanie, I was thinking about I Feel Good All Over, which used to play on, which used, which used to be one couple on another world's love theme, and I would see it all the time growing up when my mom would watch it. <laughs> Never knew love like this. Speaking of visibility, so the show Hit and Run, you're about to be visible on Netflix. Is there any... Um, intimidation by the sheer amount of eyes that will be suddenly watching you. I, I, I've talked about this before in the show. Mm. I have friends who they'll appear on something on Netflix and then it turns out, oh wait, this is now what everybody watches. It's like the new internet in a way. Like everybody's mm. eyes are fixed on mm-hmm. this uh, particular uh, f- forum. Um, are you excited for that? Well, now I'm scared now that you said that. I'm scared <laughs> now. Yeah. I, mean, I wasn't thinking that way. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm excited about it. It's so funny because I kind of, it's, I, we shot it back in the good old days before the <laughs> pandemic. You know, we shot it the before. in 2019. And right when we shut down, we had three weeks left in Israel. I was finished with my part. We shot it in New York. And um, Lior Raz is like, you know, the biggest star 
in Israel. Um, and he had a huge hit on Netflix called Fauda, which when I got the offer, I hadn't seen. And um, I mean, my mother binged it and she was like, Ooh, he's, you know, he's sexy, something sexy about that man, you know? And then my, you know, my brother had watched it twice. So he has, you know, he had a big hit on Netflix already. That was kind of exciting. And I love the idea of this, it's where the world is right now because of streaming, but like this whole idea of like cross-cultural entertainment. And so, you know, we, in, in Hit and Run, it goes back and forth between Tel Aviv and New York. Mm -hmm. And in Tel Aviv, they're speaking in Hebrew. And so I just think that's cool. But the show, I'm, I can't wait for it to come out and for everybody to see it because when I was reading the scripts, I would get mad. I would be like, okay, what's going to happen now? <laughs> like even me not being in it at all. It's just, <laughs> it's such an edge of your seat, fun ride. It's so fun because I feel like the, you know, I have other, I've written for Netflix shows. I've had other friends who like work in sort of the marketing there. And it's really this time where it's, um, everything's getting more international and it's just mm -hmm. the you're realizing that the the film world the television world is global it's not just mm -hmm. hollywood which hollywood makes you believe you know and the mixing of you know it being israel and then also shot in new york it's the alternative to i feel like for years we would just constantly see a procedural or show on tv that was adapted from like some israeli or some other format right and now it's like and they'll just put it on the air and people will watch it. They will. I mean, we know that this, we're all connected because of the coronavirus. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it really, really kind of makes you, the whole world getting shut down, it just makes you realize, yeah, we are all the human race. We are all connected, definitely, in a real way. And, you know, with social media and Netflix and streaming, it's like, it's really, it's the world, it just looks completely different than it did when I was coming up, you know, mm -hmm. as a young actress. Mm -hmm. You know, Sana, one of my favorite things about you as a actress is your ability. Like in one year, you'll do a television show and then go do a film and then go to TV again and do a film and this ability to kind of ricochet between both worlds kind of like seamlessly. And and I remember watching Napoli Ever After a couple of years ago and then also noticing that you had a role in helping produce. So there is a, definitely a question I have about what's your favorite place to be in do you like to be a facilitator do you like mm. to be in television do you like to be in film where does your heart lie or do you miss theater mm. yeah i mean there's so many answers theater is my first love i the experience of playing a role from beginning to end and with an audience there which you're feeling the energy of that audience every night and every audience is different that is like a thrill that you can never replace with film and the eight shows a week like for me to go and do a show for, you know, six months, eight shows a week, um, it has to be something that I cannot say no to because it's so all-encompassing. I am not capable of having a life and doing that. And so, mm -hmm. yes, it's both of those things. Um, now I've been in the business, you know, my, you know, not including my teenage years, like, you know, damn near 30 years. It's just a natural progression to start being you know, going to the other side, uh, the other side, meaning, you know, behind the scenes, because, you know, just from experience, you've learned so much just by doing it. And so um, I love all of it. I consider myself a storyteller, whether that's going to be producing, acting, directing, 
it's just, I definitely feel like this is part of my life purpose and I'll be doing it till I'm a little old lady, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, and I, and in terms of like TV or film, there used to be, when I was coming up, kind of a snobbery about TV. And, you know, oh, no, I don't do TV. You know, I, I only do films. Mm. And um, there was kind of like a delineation. But now it's just, it's not that anymore. It's all kind of one. And I think that has to do with streaming as well. Mm. So for me, it's just about the story. It's about the script. It's about, there's so many different things. Part of me doing Hit and Run was because it was in New York City in the fall. And I was like, I want to <laughs> be there. <laughs> mm. You know, yeah. and I liked, you know, the idea of doing, um working with those producing partners. And so it's never one thing. It's always kind of ho a holistic decision. I'm glad we're in that era, you know, because it's, uh, you know, I mean, I remember when Viola had to talk about how she went to television to, you know, get work as a black woman. And mm -hmm. then oddly, you know, like the other leader, white actors, you know, followed suit, you know? And I think if you have Julie Roberts and Meryl Streep, doing television, you know, streaming, then there is no delineation anymore. There's no television mm -mm. snobbery. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People get to know you if you're on stream right now. That's how you become a star. Yeah, the whole idea of a star is different too, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, there's still are stars, but it's just like, there's not those kind of movie stars that they had back then, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I think, what, what do you think that is? I don't know, is it because there's so much content I think definitely the idea of celebrity is super democratized now. Like now you don't have to be an actor or, or uh, you know, a movie or a TV person. Anyway, yeah, you can, you can be somebody random and be a star too. So it's almost like right. the capital on what it is to be a star is now everywhere. Shoot. <laughs> Right. I'm famous, girl. <laughs> you sure are. Yeah. You know, I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. But I, I do think that, the, you know, with social media and accessibility kind of being through the roof, that it's difficult to maintain the allure the way that stars could in the past. Yes. And I think that's what really added to celebrity was the lack of accessibility. The like, distance. The distance. Yeah. The mystery. Yes. No, li literally. There, there, to me, there's like six true superstars now, and they've all been superstars for like 20 years. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, whereas everybody else mm -hmm. is now this like flat mm -hmm. level of fame. Yeah. Who are your superstars? Who are the superstars to you? You still have like maybe a, a Robert Downey Jr., you know, people in the MCU, that kind of thing. But like, I, I like, it's like people like Madonna, mm. you know, et cetera. Mm. Yeah. As far as new celebrities, they don't exist. <laughs> they don't exist. Actually, I will give a little bit of credit to Zendaya. Oh, yes. She's, <laughs> I feel like Zendaya maintains her. that air mm. of untouchability. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, because mm. yeah, you stay off the mm. internet. Yeah. Know? The less you give, yeah. the more you get. It's like that thing of like, you want to go, there's two brunch spots on the street and the one with the line out the mm -hmm. thing, you want to mm -hmm. go to that one. You don't want to go to the one. <laughs> you always kind of exactly. want exactly. as a human, like you want kind of what you can't mm -hmm. get, right? Is that what it is? Mm -hmm. Exclusivity mm -hmm. is hot. That's yes. right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, in restaurants and in dating. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And in dating. <laughs> Uh, uh if that boy for the streets, I don't want him. I don't want him. They all had him. He ran through. Uh, so now, thank you so much for being here. It, it is was really my pleasure. pleasure. This was so fun. I want to hang out with you guys all day. All 
All right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House, or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference, sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com. And this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidates committee. And we're back with our favorite segment of the episode. As usual, it's keep it. Come on, ladies. Come what on. What we keep it? Ooh. Get information. Lewis, why don't you go first? All right. You're on, you're, you're on this beach. Right. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm like an intrepid, entrenched reporter here in Fire Island. I am exasperated from a weekend of truly disgusting behavior all around, disguised as community morale, which I'll allow. <laughs> But my God, if you want to take away like three rights from us, it's cool. Just like just a couple rights we don't deserve. It's all right. (laughs) Recently, I've had a lot of keep it's that are about like gay cliche things. Like we've talked about how people say not this all the time, whatever. So this is another one of those. Um, To quote my new favorite Grace Jones song, I've done it again. (laughs) My keep it is to every conversation between gay men who are between the ages of 20 and 39, starting with the phrase, Hi, gay. <laughs> I don't know if you know what this is. Meg Stalter, who is a comedian you have probably seen in a supporting role on the show Hacks on HBO. Mm-hmm. And in my dreams. Or in yes. every front-facing Twitter video ever. Correct. <laughs> so. she's, yeah, she's sort of like the, um, yeah, the, the most popular front-facing Twitter comedian who's also like a real stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. The gays are obsessed with her, and she had this one video go viral where it was mocking corporate pride and how... They address gay consumers, and it begins with this woman, Meg in character, saying, hi, gay, to the camera like that in a sort of blank, stupid way. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, she did it in a blank and stupid way, so guess who picked it up immediately? The gay community. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Everywhere you go, and I've been to San Francisco Pride. I'm in Fire Island now. I'll be at Market Days next week. Guys, what is wrong with me? Oh, Miss Carmen San Diego. I know. Not Miss Carmen Serotonin. Let me tell you something. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. I'm all for everybody latching onto a female comedian's viral moment. I mean, it's truly, truly viral. I can't, I can't, I can't escape it. But my God, mm. I have heard it every day, hundreds of times, thousands of times. So now if I hear it again, I need you to know, if you catch my eye, I will be driven to murder. <laughs> Don't look at me. Only murders on this podcast. Yes. <laughs> you know the moment in a Lifetime movie where the glint in Rob Lowe's eyes changes and you realize you're married mm. to the wrong man? That's me. Okay? Like, okay. You do have sort of a young Rob Lowe quality. Okay. I've never heard a better compliment in my life. Unfortunately, now my serotonin is replenished. Um, <laughs> But Jay fucking C, here's gays just right now, I think are in a moment where they love having everything in common. We love wearing the exact same shorts. We love wearing the exact same <laughs> shirt. And now it's 
it's really infiltrated speech. MCM shorts and a and a Jacques Mou shirt. Totally. Oh my god. So <laughs> it's like hi, hi gay is this community thing where we all have agreed to say it, and it's like just lost all meaning and lost all funny to me. And I also think a critical thing about gay men is we usually are really good at being funny in uncliche ways. So please. If you're going to say the cliche thing, then say three more originally funny things afterwards. Please. Just just for me. Just for me. Do you think the proliferation of social media and more gays being able to connect with one another is that yeah. we've lost it's the need to create yes. um, within our own communities and with our friend groups? Like uh, even us who live in L.A., you know, and like like friends in New York, you know, like who are supposed to be, you know, sort of the like – um the literati of the gay community, like the, like the funny <laughs> ones sort of like leading the pack, right? You could sit with them and like hear one of them say like one of these brain dead phrases and it's like, right. baby, you're supposed to be funny. Right. No, <laughs> You're supposed to innovate. <laughs> the, the whole job of funny has changed and like, yeah, it's, it's not about sort of the, valuing the originality of a comment anymore so much as it's the, the, the pass around vibe of whatever it is. Like we can just use it and take from it. Mm. Maybe we're turning into straight men. I mean, this is what what is high gay but quoting anchor man at the lunch table. <gasps> right. <laughs> the stepbrothers references. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> you know, but do add it to the keep it infographic of all the things that we're tired of hearing gay people say. Right. You know? Just give me number six. High gay. Yeah. And it's not that I don't like having things in common with every queer person around me or whatever. We've just done it too many times. Let's move on from this thing. I think we've exceeded our desire to have community now. We're at this point. We're saturated. We're done. Mm-hmm. Be original again. Be original right. again. I know y'all are here. Everybody gay. Fine. We got here. It's 2021. Make me laugh, girl. That's what you was doing before when you was sad and closeted. <laughs> or I long for that. <laughs> <laughs> You, you know, like, you also just can't associate gays with fashion anymore. I guess that's true. Well, I don't know about that. Every time I go to, like, uh, you know, a queer dance party or something, somebody usually impresses me with something yeah, the in, the, in the gender blending community. It's the party white gays. Mm-hmm. Because you know what? I think they've always been wearing the same thing since the beginning of time. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and mostly they're all just wearing the outfits that are dead gay ancestors wore in the 80s. You know what? Though? I have to say, when you when you look at a vintage, and by vintage I mean whatever, 1989, 1991 photo of gays in New York, sometimes it's like we are exactly there. Like the exact shorts and the exact shirt and the exact sock lengths <laughs> are at play, which I kind of love. I'm not saying I, I don't want that to happen, but anyway. High gay and now bi gay. I've said my piece. I was going to say, yeah. Less high gay. A lot more. I'm I'm done talking to you gay bye yeah. um and also you know where the fashion's at it's with the it's with the black femmes we're at a boiler room set we're sweating yep. always, each other. always we're all djs always. now i'm a dj yes. that's my reveal it's i'm a dj now. <laughs> uh, being a black femme to dj is right here i was not including you know like black trans people and the black femmes in this because they are they always turn it at an event <laughs> me in the same sweater i like to wear most days i'm like yeah we're innovators yeah, so you usually <laughs> we're just look at them queens. at like a pines party or even even like a New York party or like yes. some like uh, LA warehouse one. It's like amongst the other crowd, it's like, oh, what they're wearing is probably what people will be um, exactly glomming onto and wearing in like about five years. Yeah, it's like I took tires off of a Ford and uh, pantyhose. I cut them up and this is my outfit. <laughs> and that's every <laughs> lesbian that I know. <laughs> now that you mention it, I want to say the high gay thing is pretty specific to white gays. I, can't, I don't think I've heard... A person of color even repeat that so maybe oh, I, I, th- mm-hmm. I, th- I thought we i thought we just um were leaving that unsaid oh okay well yeah, yeah. I knew that. okay yeah. but i'm here i'm here <laughs> first of all, 
You think a black girl came up with that shit? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I'm, Lewis, I will always defend you in the style of Jeremy O'Harris. I'm here for my white best friend. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You're not going to get on Rihanna's internet and discredit my good sis, Louis Vertel. My good sis. Jesus Christ. Okay, well, let me bring it back to something else. Bye, gay to me. (laughs) Sorry for ever even putting you parallel. Like, no corollary is drawn between Lewis and Lena Dunham. But let me me move on. Um, Well. No, I. Okay, stop. Yes. Don't do this. Save me now. (laughs) Um. I, I was recently reminded by my mother that we are a, a political podcast in a certain way. LOL. And I don't think I've talked. I don't even know who's president right now. It could be. The body is politic, Aida. Who's <laughs> the president right now? So, so I does he, maybe does I the president should. know? Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I figured I should mention a congresswoman, a politician in some way, shape, or form. And, of course, it's going to be a black woman. So let my keep it this week goes to, wow, big shock, some more white supremacist comments that a lovely Mm. black woman is receiving and bravely posting with a trigger warning, which is something I should start doing. Um, We all have something to learn from Miss Cori Bush. As we all know, Cori Bush is a lovely congresswoman, nurse, activist. What hasn't this woman done of our beautiful, beautiful state of Missouri? We all love. Um, Start in salt, too, which is what I would love for her to do, actually. Mm. Cori, call me. <laughs> now, I'm sure she will when she's done posting every single racist DM she's ever received, calling her like a porch Ooh. monkey or a bed wench or whatever these weird Rudyard Kipling ass insults pop <laughs> <laughs> out of nowhere. And Minor Ricky re- Ticky Tavi characters. Yes. <laughs> yeah. When you read when you read these messages to her, I'm just shocked at the level of literary ability and artistry that goes into them. They're poems. Okay. They are Missouri dusty Missouri poems. That's what Rupi Carr was doing before she blew up. <laughs> <laughs> Is that before she was a homebody get her book at every Barnes and Noble it's featured next to everything listen I think it's what I don't like about it is one Corey is a politician and has always been very vocal about everything that happens to her I, I'm tired. I'm just tired of seeing these comments. I'm tired of seeing these comments. And this is coming from a black woman who just experiences. I think I'm the only one that probably feels this fatigue. So I'm sharing that with you guys lightly. But I'm tired of seeing mm-hmm. them. I wish there was a way for me to mute not just my comments, but also the comments that my actual good sisses <laughs> be receiving. And it's, mm-hmm. it's sad. It's sad. Especially because I come to, again, Twitter to the bird app to watch screen recorded TikToks of pandas kissing. Like I don't, I don't come <laughs> for political discourse or sadness. Stop tarnishing this experience for me. Um, it's, it's devastating. No, and listen, I know that you've gotten this before too. You know, from like every time I dusty speak, dusty white people. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. You know, yeah. uh, every time we talk about a white man on this podcast, and I get them less so, obviously, because I'm not a black woman. But also, mm-hmm. I have been deactivated from so many social media apps so how can people find me i will say that (laughs) every so often i'll get like a message on my phone that says someone would like to send you a message request on like facebook messenger and i'm like no one messages me on facebook messenger anymore i'm like i'm sorry cletus i'm not going to accept (laughs) your message request so i can hear what you want to call me (laughs) and the preview is like listen here coon (laughs) right it's always like where do you get off saying (laughs) 
declined. There's a special place in in hell. And I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe reject this. Um, mm. uh, the last thing, yeah, the last thing I want to say is shouts out again, Corey Bush, because she posted all the exchanges and in the, the most congresswoman way ever is just said like, fuck y'all, go to hell. I'm going to continue to keep it pushing, which I always do. And it's what black women do without fail. So keep it to the world. And there you go. There's your politics, Phil. But I'm Anderson Cooper. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. <laughs> back to sex shit, Ira. What do you music and sex? What you got to talk about? Well, ladies, back to music and sex. <laughs> um, <laughs> my keep it this week goes to Kanye Omari West. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> it goes to the Louis Vuitton Don. <laughs> Uh, but keep it goes to Kanye this week because of the delayed release of Donda. Now, mm-hmm. no, this man did not just have us last week talking about how we were actually excited to be back on the Kanye train. No, for just a minute, when you said we, who did you mean? Because you couldn't have meant Louis Vertel. We know we weren't <laughs> talking about your white ass, Louis, okay? <laughs> but throw me in there. Throw me in there. Because I kept reading those tweets about y'all in that stream just waiting like boo-boo the fool. No. Y'all know that man's past behaviors. What were you waiting for? <laughs> now, granted, I did not listen to the stream as it aired, but someone sent me a rip of it, and then I listened to it. Mm-hmm. He premiered John to Thursday evening at the uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta where the Falcons play for an audience and just sort of dance to the music um, with like some pantyhose on his face uh, and his red MAGA gear. <laughs> like the black lesbian that he is. <laughs> <laughs> he was ready to set it off. Uh, And then, um, you know, Queen Latifah pulled up and he went and hopped in the car and (laughs) left. And we thought, oh, the album's about to drop. Of course, it has not dropped. And of course, I forgot that we went through this shit with the life of Pablo. Mm. Mm. Why did I forget that this, this this is just what he does now? Yeah. He's like, I'm going to innovate the album release process. I'm going to upload Life of Pablo, but then I'm going to change it every week so y'all will never hear Ultralight Beam the same way ever again. <laughs> and now we have I still to talk don't, about I it. still don't know if the damn album Life of Pablo sounds like how I remember <laughs> it sounded. You listen it to goes. it now, and you're like, what is, what, why is Jesus Walks on this now? Kanye. <laughs> but it would be so like him to drop it now between the time we tape and the time it comes out. There's something so consistently and newly chaotic about him that will disturb people like us. So I know he's going to make it inconvenient <laughs> for us some way. But, damn, you know what? I was back, you know, to like listening to Kanye songs. Um, he was a producer of Lil Nas X's Industry Baby, for one. Oh. Um, but... Yeah. Damn, ain't nobody anticipating Donda this goddamn much. Just release it. Uh. <laughs> if it's bad, it's bad. But baby, doing all this, I'm annoyed. And I, I am hesitant to have big, big critiques. And he knows that we'll all feel that way because it's about his mother who had passed away years ago. Or at least the title is. I'm not hesitant. The beginning of the album, which actually has audio from Donna, is the worst part of the album. Uh, Can you let her rest? <laughs> <laughs> Can he and let you know, Donda rest? Not an album about your mother who has passed away with 20,000 male features. Not a single woman on the <laughs> album. Not a single drop of femininity. What is the point? What is the point? Uh, it's like, l- l- let it let it rest, baby. Because <laughs> the, the, the album, I think, actually, from what I've heard, um, gets better 
as each song goes on, and it ends with a actually very stellar J verse, mm. uh, which was the shock of the moment. Uh, but what are we doing here? Like, for, remember when he was selling the uh, Rest in Peace Donda shirts? Right, yes. And then on the back it said, Rest in Peace Robert Kardashian. Mother <laughs> of God. Wait, I actually have a Donda-related question. What is your retroactive take on the album 808s and Heartbreak? Because at the time... Amazing. It was it yeah. was considered, like, the streak-breaking one, right? Like, he had mm-hmm. the, the massive sort of critical successes of the albums before, and then that sort of blunted it, even if, um, you know, Love Lockdown still... One of his most fabulous singles, I would say. I think it's a brilliant album. And I saw it at the Hollywood Bowl when he did the um, two-night presentation of the album. Like, he did, like the whole concert was the album. And it makes me wish that more art... I know a few artists have done shows like that, but I wish more artists would take one of their either classic albums that everyone wants to see or mm-hmm. an album like that, which, you know, isn't as highly remembered um, or wasn't as successful as all the other ones and just the entire concert was you doing all the songs from that album in a row. Yeah. Because I thought yeah. it was mesmerizing yeah. and it was great to be immersed in the album in a completely different way and I'm like, I'm sure you've got plenty of artists that you would love to hear do that, Lewis. Lewis, don't say the Carpenters. I'm begging. <laughs> well, Karen's dead. So, you know. Unless unless her brother John Carpenter is going to put um, some of her music into one of his films. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. Or drop an album called Karen. Liz Fair years ago did uh, Exile in Guyville all the way through uh, at a concert in Chicago that I saw. Um, and that was great because Exile in Guyville is her signature album. It's the one people still reference the most or whatever. But you would never hear it from her just track by track in a row at a concert. And mm-hmm. it, it felt like I was hearing the songs in a new way, for one thing. But two, hearing how they meant something to her still, as opposed mm-hmm. to when I just listened to the album in my car and I'm transported back to 1993. You know, mm-hmm. So uh, that's uh, fabulous. By the way, I interviewed Liz Fair on NPR. You can listen to that interview uh, on Bullseye. Louis ain't nobody it. going. It was, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'll check it out. I'll check it, it out. It was, it, it, was, it was actually a good interview. It was a good interview. Oh, thanks. Time. Yeah. I, you know I listened. You know she's one of my faves. I don't think I've listened yet. I'm too nervous to listen to it. Oh, you sound yeah. great. Oh, thanks. Well, it's here we're like fucking around and I'm just like <laughs> saying things that get us all canceled all the time. I'm fine oh, with yeah. that. But I'm talking with somebody <laughs> I respect now, so you know it's different. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Con Yeezy. Mm-hmm. Just, give, just give us a damn album. Or don't. But b- stop living in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium re- mixing it, baby. Go home. <laughs> <laughs> and drop your gap line. You're literally wearing it around. Actually, you know what? That red outfit probably was from his Yeezy gap line. That might be part of it all. It's you know, all I bought my first up. pair of Yeezys recently. The foam runners or what you got? I got the 2019 uh, Yeezy Boost, the white, um, black, and reds. Mm, okay. And how you feel? You snob it around? I, you know what? I bought them after my dermatologist was wearing them. Uh, and he was walking around in them, and I was like, you know what? These actually do look cute. <laughs> so I wouldn't have to cop that. By the way, specific LA phenomenon of going to a medical professional and being intimidated by their fashion sense. That is yes, like, yeah. It's like, sir, you. It's like, sir, you are supposed to be wearing just like a lab coat, and they usually are. Like, uh, my dentist just wears uh, like her lab coat. I was just this gorgeous Indian woman uh, who then put like the, you know, like the, <laughs> the bangles, you know, like a like a necklace, like the shoes. It's always giving you like, oh, that's why my Invisalign costs so much. There you go. <laughs> so, so you can wear Gucci. 
<laughs> One of my doctors walked into the room with her like cinched as hell scrubs. I didn't even know they made them fitted like this. And I literally have to have to restrain myself from muttering stunning under my breath. Uh, not her with the vintage Hervé Legere scrubs. <laughs> uh, but yes, doctors in LA do that to you. Uh, and that is how they make you spend money on making yourself look better. And they are doing it well. Yeah. But I will also point out the, the 2021 phenomenon is... Not the plastic surgeon, baby. The dermatologist. Mm-hmm. Teach you a good need. dermatologist. Get that skin right. That's all you need. And then you won't have to do the injections. But if you want to, you can't. Fill me up, Scotty. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> do what you got to do. Baby, I'll, nev- I'll never say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll be on to you, though. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's our show this week. Shout out to Shanae Lathan for joining us. And uh, we'll see you next week. Keep It is a Crooked Media production. Our senior producer is Kendra James. Our producer is Caroline Reston. And our associate producer is Brian Semmel. Our executive producer is me, Ira Madison III. Our editor is Bill Lance. And Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thank you to our digital team, Matt DeGroote, Narmel Konian, and Milo Kim for production support every week. And hey, stay safe out there. <laughs>